Oh, all right. So which character are you in that video? Who, who's, who's the happy whistler? Huh? Who's the happy whistler? Chuck, you need to raise your hand, bro. Chuck needs to raise his hand. Chuck's, Chuck's a public happy whisperer, but he's being honest, right? I'm not a happy whisperer. All right, so who's the guy that's got the X and the, the stuff above him, the grumpy guy? Come on. So nobody's either? Come on, come on. Y'all, look, I'm going to need a lot of participation. All right, good. All right, so that's pro- I'm, I'm a situational uh, pessimist, I think. You know, I'm a situational grumpy guy. Um, and uh, today, I'm excited about this series simply because I, I need this right? I don't know if y'all need this. I mean, Belinda's always happy and smiling back there. I, she probably doesn't need it. I need it though, right? Because I don't know what it is, but life's, I mean, just lately, life just seems to kind of just, I mean, just be beating on me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Anybody, you know, and maybe it's just the political season, right? I mean, I haven't heard, and I'm not, I'm not advocating one or the other. I, we got, we got uh, Democrats, Republicans, we got the libertarians. We got everybody in our church, okay? But what I haven't heard is anything other than, you're an awful person. No, you're an awful person. No, you're an awful person. I'm like, come on, guys. Somebody tell us how you want to lead, right? That's what I want to hear. And, and, you know, I think maybe it's the political season, but then I'm like, no, it's not because it's just the world, right? And, and, I don't know if y'all get like me, but, you know, you can get into this self-talk where it's like, oh, I'm just, my life stinks. I don't have what it takes, and oh, things are bad. Oh, now they're worse, you know, that kind of thing. And, or we'll look at the economy, right, or the, the world. And we're like, oh, the economy's doomed, right? And, you know, or oh, all of this stuff, I've got to. I, when I was single, I could go to the grocery store. I could get an apple, I could put it in the bag, I could go home and eat it. After I got married, I found out there's poison all over it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get it, you gotta wash it and scrub it and all of this stuff or else you're gonna grow a third eye and a tail. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, an, I'm excited to be enlightened, I guess, but at the same time, I love just kind of being, what's that word, naive, you know? Oblivious? Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I mean, the apple tasted the same to me. Um, you know, and then, like in my line of work, I, I deal with a lot of things like families falling apart, you know? And you're working with in counseling and doing things, and um, you got kids who are a mess. None of, none of ours, per se, but, uh, you know... There's issues, and you're dealing with trying to help families deal with their children, um, dealing with medical issues, you know, things like that, and walking through that. Um, churches dying, right? Um, in just in the uptown area alone in the past 10 years, I can't tell you how many churches have started and died, um, which, you know, every, every day I walk in, and we, we have a Sunday service, and I'm like, got about 20 people okay we're not dead right and you think wow that's awful but it's the, the uptown area is a, is a hard place uh, to reach because uh, everybody has 
just kind of their life and their routine and things are going. And I understand that. And so sometimes we look at this and we think, man, our life's falling apart. And then we go, oh, the whole world is falling apart. And, and sometimes this becomes our default thinking. You know what I'm saying? Like, you wake up, you're like, oh, I got to go to work. Who doesn't think that, right? Uh, work. And then we, we see something like Proverbs chapter 11, verse 21. I'm get to turn it there. Turn there. It says this. It says, he who seeks good finds goodwill. He who seeks good will find good. But evil comes to him who searches for it. So, so if you're, you're looking just kind of negatively, why can't I say this word? What is wrong with me today? Negatively, then it's going to find you. And so in this negativity, in this series, we're going to look, next week we're going to look at being grateful. Next, the week after that, encouraging, generous, enthusiastic, and confident. Today, we're going to look at being optimistic. We're going to look at being optimistic. Now, when you read that word optimistic, what, what comes to your mind? Looking at the good. Looking for the good. Yeah, thinking the best. Always thinking the best, you know. Are you guys optimistic? Y'all are optimistic people. Aren't you? Yes, yes. Okay, good. No, that's good. Good, yeah. Um, I had this really cool thing by a certain rock star one time who said, who said, I'd rather um, think the best of people and be occasionally disappointed than think the worst of them and be occasionally surprised. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I thought, that's fantastic. I love that. It's a great optimistic quote. Yeah. Now, how many of us are kind of pessimists? Maybe situational pessimist. Situational. I ain't gonna lie. I'm situationally pessimistic, situationally optimistic. Yeah. So, so what what comes to mind when you see this word optimism? But you're kind of a pessimist. If the other church is gonna is more responsive than us today, we got issues. We're younger, we're vibrant. Come on, come on. If, if you're kind of a pessimist, more of a pessimist, what, is this, what does this word say to you? What, what pops into your mind when you read optimism or optimistic? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, I think the, the thing that came to my mind was, oh, that's challenging. That's, that's challenging, right? And, and actually, I'm kind of intimidated by it because it doesn't naturally come to Like, the saints... Pessimistic about the Saints. They don't get a defense. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to enjoy my second quarter to fourth quarter nap. <laughs> Normally, it's second to third because I anticipate they'll be competing, right? But uh, I'm kind of pessimistic about them this year. So um, now, an optimist, an optimist says, "My cup is running over. God is blessing me." Right? That's Belinda. Right? Belinda's back there like, oh, yeah. By the way, Belinda uh, led us this morning. Uh, it's, the, you know, the first day of fall happened when sometime this past week. For, for Belinda, it's the first day of spring because of, she's from Australia. So, uh, so she's missing that. She's, 
Antipodian was the word that Chris laid on us this morning. That's people who are on the other side of the world, Antipodian. Um, So Belinda thinks, you know, my cup's running over, God's blessing me. Uh, I think my cup's running over, this is going to be a huge mess, right? This is what... Who spilled the milk, right? That kind of thing. Eli, Eli, where are you at, right? So um, let's, let's jump in. <laughs> yeah, Eli's done. Let's jump in. We're going to look at Romans chapter 8. We're not going to look at the whole chapter, uh, but we're going to look at eight things, uh, eight um, points from Romans chapter 8 on why we should be optimistic. And here's your main point, okay? Here's your main point. I'm not optimistic based on what I feel. I'm optimistic based upon what God says. If you are influenced and rely on your feelings, you've already lost the battle because your feelings will deceive you. For those of you that have babies, don't rely on your feelings. Get a nap. Go for the nap, right? Because when you don't have rest, oh my goodness, your feelings are just crazy, aren't they? That's how it is with me, all right? So, so eight reasons I'm optimistic from Romans chapter 8. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to either take a picture of each of these eight reasons or write them down, okay? Take a picture or write them down, and we're going to talk about them uh, after at the end here, uh, about which one you think is the hardest, which one you think is the easiest. Um, so I'm going to roll through these real quick. The first one is, my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. Man, that is an awesome, optimistic statement, right? And it comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ, the spirit of the law or the the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So if you're in Christ, you've called on him, he's in charge of your life, you're forgiven. Now, we think, oh, that's that's nice. But think about all the things you're forgiven of. If you're like me, and I'm probably worse than many of you, right? Especially before I became a Christian, you're forgiven of a lot. A whole lot of stuff. In fact, the Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, right, we are forgiven that far. So, so as far as Australia is from New Orleans, we are forgiven that far. And then when you get to cons, can, dang it, I always get it wrong. That's where Belinda's from. You're still, there's still an east and a west, and you're still right in the middle, That's how much we are forgiven. That's our eternity is secure. Number two, my mind is filled with the peace of God. Verse six, it says, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Now, just this statement, you know, makes it feel like my mind is filled with the peace of God, makes it feel like self-help, okay? But when the spirit is working through you, you have that peace that it, it doesn't make sense why you have it, but it has encompassed you and, and it surpasses any kind of understanding that you do have about the way you should be acting. Who loves to fly? Anybody love to fly? Right? Okay. 
Um, anybody hate the fly? Anybody hate the fly? Okay. Now, for all of us, how many of us, when that plane pulls out onto the tarmac, and it, you can feel the brakes let go, right? And then the thing's, and you're revving up, and it's getting, it's pushing you a little bit further back in the seat, and you look out, and you're like, we're doing 125 miles an hour. How many of us are just perfectly fine with that? Anybody? Anybody? That's, y'all are okay? Okay, how many of you are like me, and you're like, oh, I hope the pilot got 10 hours of sleep last night, he didn't drink, he has his contacts in, and he used the bathroom before he got into the cockpit, right? How many of us are like that? Yeah. Okay, does anybody, do, 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 do we all not say like a little prayer before the plane goes up, right? Oh, Lord, let us live, right? For me, I have to learn to travel well in situations like this because I have to tell myself, I trust God, and if I trust God, He's going to take care of me, and if the plane goes down, it's my time to go, right? And, and He's going to take care of me, and by extension, He's going to take care of the pilot as well, right? Who got those 10 hours of sleep. My mind is filled with the peace of God, and we need that at that moment, at those moments. Number three, my, my future victory is greater than my present pain. Verse 18, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Our present sufferings, whatever we're dealing with now, it's nothing compared to the glory we're going to experience in our relationship with Christ. James, at the beginning, the very second verse of James is <laughs> like, consider it pure joy when you go through trials and tribulations and sufferings, right? You can, uh, verse 3, because you know that it's testing your faith. What? That's an awful verse to start out with, James. Listen, listen, your life at some point is going to be bad. Be happy about that. Be excited about that. James, you need to consult some kind of author or something before you start writing these things, right? No, he's true. it's true. Testing our faith, it produces perseverance. The thing that we went through here helps us for the thing that we're going to go through here. And it makes everything in between in our life amazing. The good times. And this is how God is, is using this life to conform us to Christ. To conform us to Jesus. We're not optimistic based on what we feel because this one, man, oh my goodness. When we're in these, these hard times, our feelings can take over. We're not optimistic based on what we feel. We're optimistic based on what God says. Number four. Number four. God's spirit helps me in weakness. Jump down to verse 24. He says, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Right? Who hopes for a Lamborghini when you've already got one? Right? Nobody. Who hopes for a Lamborghini when you don't? Everybody. Right? I'd rather have a Ferrari, but whatever. 
Okay, so who hopes for what he already has, right? By the way, we shouldn't be hoping for Ferraris, okay? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I'm going to be waiting for it forever, right? That Lamborghini, you know. When I'm down, God holds me up, right? When I'm hurting, He's my comfort. When I'm alone, he's my friend. When I'm weak, he's the one that is strong. And so we hope for these things. We're optimistic for these things and how he works in our life. And being optimistic means that on a bad day, we look at our situation and we go, you know what? This just means I get to know Jesus better. That's what this means. Number five, God is working everything in my life for good. God is working everything in my life for good. Verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There's actually a song we sing, uh, it's, it's um, by Jesus Culture, and uh, the, the chorus is something like, he makes all things work. Man, oh man. Come on, Belinda, help me out. All things work together for your good. For all things work together for my good. There we go. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so, so we actually changed that to uh, he makes all things work for the glory of his good because the way the song sounds and the way it comes off makes it sound like, oh, God's here for me. God's, God is here just for me. Right? Because we don't have time to explain it every single time we sing it and sing it in the way that they sing it. Right? They, they've got this concert and they're singing it. And, oh, this is what this means. God's for us. He's with us. When we follow him, he works all things out for those that follow him. That's what it's talking about. What the devil meant for evil, God used for good in your life. Someone hurt me. God wants me to forgive. That's how he's working good into my life. I'm going through some suffering. He's using it to conform me. I lost my job, Mary. He wants to show how he can provide a better job. What is some pain that you've experienced that God has not repurposed for good in your life? That's what he does. He takes these things and he repurposes them for you in, his, in your life. Verse number six. If God is for me, who can be against me? It's a rhetorical question. It means God is for you as you follow him. Therefore, you don't need to worry about anything anybody else says, right? Someone criticizes you, shoots you down. If God's for you, what's it matter? Now, Again, this is one of those things where your feelings can really get involved, right? Oh, I'm going to punch them in the face, right? That's, what I, that's my go-to, right? You put me out on a playground with my kids and somebody does wrong. Oh, some of y'all have seen it. David's seen it. Oh, my goodness, it makes me angry. And I have to stop and I have to go, all right, God's for me. He can take care of this. When somebody's talking bad about me, What's it matter? 
If, if my dad is the department store manager and I'm working for him and all the employees are yelling at me, talking bad about me, what's the matter? Dad is in charge. I'm not getting fired. He'll fire them, hopefully. I'm not optimistic based on what I feel. I'm optimistic based on what God says. Number seven, Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. Verse 34, who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Think about that. I never thought about it this way. I always think he's interceding for us because he died on the cross. But, but he's right there next to God. You think they don't talk, right? They talk. They're chatting it up. And he's like, oh, look at Jason. He's down there. He's playing with his kids. He's playing ball. That's, that's fantastic. See? See what he's doing? Oh, he just hit one of his kids in the face with a football. <laughs> don't hold that against him. It's... It's, it's okay. I, I, I died for that because I think he actually meant to do that, right? So, um, yeah, we, we need to understand that he is there for us, praying for us. Number eight, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Verse 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither... Death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, or depth, nor nothing else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter where I go, God is there. No matter what I do, He still loves me. No matter what happens to me, He is for me. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Now, again, this is not because of what I see. It's based upon what God says. So let's review real quick, okay? These are, these are the points. My sins are forgiven. My mind is filled with the peace of God. My present sufferings are incomparable to the future glory that I will experience. God's spirit helps me in weakness. God is working everything for good. God is for me. Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. And nothing can separate me from Jesus. This is all from one chapter in the Bible. Imagine what the other chapters say, right? Check out your Bible. It's pretty awesome. Now, which of these reasons when you look at them. You look at and you go, oh my goodness, that's hard. I can't, how do I, how do I buy that? How do I believe that? Is there, is there anything that, that comes to mind that you see up there? Number two. Number two. My mind is filled with the peace of God. Yeah. Yeah, that one's tough. First, first one, my sins are forgiven. Like, I don't have problems with them. Yeah, it's hard to understand how God can forgive a sinner like me. Yeah. Number four. Number, Number three. Four. Number three. Oh, we're covering them all. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Present sufferings are incomparable. Yeah, it's hard when you can't see the glory 
that yeah. we're going to experience, right. and we can only see our suffering. The light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And also yeah. because in the world there's so much, you know, um, atheism and, you know, all these other faiths that, and mm -hmm. it's like, it, you know, you've got to really, yeah, it's just a, it's a hard one. You know, there's so much doubt in the world and everything, right. you've just got to really yeah. focus. And somebody said, number four, God's spirit helps me in weakness. Yeah, when you're weak, man, everything, the world's just going wrong, isn't it? I mean, and it's hard to even see and hear from God. That's why it, it, you really have to focus. Now, which comes, which comes pretty easy for you? Like, like oh, that's, for, for me, number six is pretty easy because I've, I've really worked hard to build it into my life over the last several years. Before it wasn't, but, but now I'm like, oh, somebody, somebody's after me, somebody's talking bad about me. That's all right. I got a reputation that God will take care of, right? God can, can do that for me. It's okay. What about y'all? What, what's the easy one for you? Number eight. 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 Nothing can separate me from Jesus. Yeah. That's great. Three. Three. My presence over. Oh, yeah. Jeff's, Jeff's got that one down. So, so we need to talk with Jeff about <laughs> yeah. how to focus on those in, uh, incomparable glories yeah. that we're going to face. Yeah. We're going to see. Um. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick the reason that you're least optimistic about, and I want you to think about and dwell on how your life will look different if you really fully believed it. Um, and, and think about that throughout this week, because uh, I want God to, to make us more optimistic, because, like I said, I need this. I don't know if y'all need this, but I need this, right? So over the next six weeks, I'm preaching to myself because I want to believe it, right? Because I'm not sometimes. And I want God to make me more optimistic. I want, him to, I want him to prepare my heart and my mind for heaven. Because heaven's going to be like this, right? I mean, it's going to be awesome up there. And I, but I want it to start here so I, can, so I won't be shocked by it, you know? And I won't be running around going, God, that guy is just way too happy, right? And, th you know, thinking, uh, I don't want to think that way. But I don't, want to, I, I don't want us to think that we're doing this and we're, because we're good or we need to be good. I want us to do it because he is good, because of the cross, right? Because he died for our sins, because of the resurrection, right? If Jesus just died, he's just a dead guy, just like everybody else. But he rose, and as we saw earlier, he's interceding for us alive next to God, sitting next to God at his right hand. So, again, the main point. I'm optimistic based on what God says. I'm optimistic not on what I feel. I'm optimistic based on what God says about my life as his child. Okay, Father, we thank you for, for your word. We thank you for this uh, awesome chapter in, in your word. And we pray that you will continue to build into us um, this thinking and and helping us to see the way you see, helping us to change the way we think uh, so that we can be more optimistic, not just for optimism's sake, but, but so that we can be more like you, so that we can serve you and see the good in people and love from uh, optimistic hearts, Father. And we ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.